Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. Today's episode features Todd Metcalf. He is a dynamic autism dad who, through his career as a financial advisor, enjoys helping families with special needs children develop long-term financial strategies. Todd and his wife, Beth, have two amazing kids, Tyler, who is 14, and Katie, who is almost 18. Katie was diagnosed with autism at the age of five and was given a poor future prognosis from the neurologist, which Todd and Beth were determined to prove wrong. Today, Katie is thriving and enjoys attending special needs yoga classes, texting friends and family multiple times a day to check in, and watching the University of Kentucky women's basketball team. Everyone who knows Katie comments on her infectious smile. She makes her parents and brother very proud. So please welcome my guest, Todd Metcalf. So today I have the opportunity to sit down and talk to um, a new friend of mine, Todd Metcalf. Um, Todd and I both are on a committee um, with FEET, and I interviewed prior a couple um, founding members of FEET, um, Families for Effective Autism Treatment, um, a few episodes back. And um, Todd is actually the board of director um, of FEET. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So again, I, I say this a lot, I think, but I always like to start with the diagnosis story um, for your child. And, and I, I also want to talk about you and your wife and how you guys handled the diagnosis. We, we often focus on the developmental delays we might have seen um, with our kids at a young age, but there's a lot that the parents go through in addition to, you know, once we get the diagnosis. So um, your daughter, Katie, is on the spectrum and yes. is 17 years old. Um, so can you talk a little bit about Katie's, her development and her diagnosis? Yeah, I think um, we kind of came to autism a little bit later than uh, most folks. Um, so Katie was diagnosed at the age of uh, five, five and a half years old, as we were getting prepared to go into kindergarten. So prior to that, um, since Katie was born, she had always been sick. Um, when I say sick, she kind of presented like um, she had a constant cold. So we were in the doctor's office uh, once or twice a week, um, just trying to figure out how to get Katie healthy. That was our first concern. Um, at about, you know, I guess seven or eight months or so, I, I should say that my wife is a physical therapist. So she noticed that Katie wasn't hitting her milestones, doing the things, rolling over, starting to crawl. Um, so we mentioned that to the doctor and uh, they referred us on to first steps. So that was probably about age one. I think his first steps came out and did the evaluation. Um, we had the speech uh, therapy and uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy. And still at that point, everybody thought that, you know, Katie was just sick. She didn't feel good. And if we could get her healthy, that she would probably catch up. Um, so after a little bit of PT, probably about 19, 
18 months, 20 months, Katie took her first step. She never crawled. She just went from laying on the ground to taking yep. a step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was doing a little bit of, um, at that point, they were teaching her sign language. So she was learning that, I guess, maybe about three years of age, she probably started to use some words. So um, from our standpoint, we thought she was behind, but we thought it was a health um, issue. And if we could get her healthy, um, that uh, she would catch up. And so at age three, you know, you kind of, I guess you age out of first steps. And we continued with uh, uh, speech therapy through Jefferson County Public Schools and doing private therapy. Same kind of situation. Katie was behind developmentally. Um, we went into the doctor, I guess about age five, getting our last checkup to go into kindergarten. And the doctor basically said, hey, you know, there's something wrong. Um, you guys need to go get an evaluation. So we went and did um, a neural psychology evaluation, I guess. Um, and they pretty much came back and said that Katie was on the autism spectrum. Eesh. What, I mean, was that at, at the front of your wife's mind or your mind, or did you guys, was that completely a shocker to you? Um, yeah, it was a complete shocker. Uh, I think that we thought there was some issues. And again, Katie, since she was born, she hadn't slept through the night at that point. So she was groggy and um, kind of aggressive um, in her personality, wasn't happy, um, irritable. So we just kind of thought it was a health thing. Um, so when they sat us down and told us that, it was a complete shock. Um, it definitely caught us off guard. You know, we kind of, we pushed back a little bit and did the, the uh, probably what most parents do and ask the questions. Um, so what's Katie's future going to be like? And they were re- reluctant, I guess, to, to answer that. But they finally did and, and basically told us they didn't think Katie was going to live on her own. She wouldn't be independent. Um, they didn't think she would go. They didn't think she would go to college. Same as Skylar. And, they said all those yeah, things, too. <laughs> more, more than likely, she wouldn't graduate from a traditional high school. So, you know, I re- that day is kind of a day that stands out in my mind very vividly because Beth and it was a Friday morning. And for some reason, I don't think we were expecting that news. And so we drove separately uh, to, to get the evaluation results. Um, and then I had to head out of town to Georgetown to see a client. And she was going back to the hospital to work. Um, and I can remember Beth sitting in the car just looking at me going, you understand what they just said. And I'm like, I, I can't deal with this right now. I, let me get through this part of my day um, and we'll talk about it. Uh, later so we went our separate raise and I just remember leaving that appointment in Georgetown I kind of had done whatever I was supposed to do for the day and um, driving home and I just remember my eyes just a sweating away you know mm-hmm. and I it was just one of those things I pulled off to the side of the road and thought okay I can I can handle this um, but it was devastating for us yeah, it's never an easy diagnosis to get. And then to be told, um, like I said, same with us with the, neuro- with the neurologist. I mean, we were given like the worst case prognosis for the future at mm-hmm. age three. And we're like, yeah. how, how, how do you have any idea right. what he is or is not capable of doing? Um, so did you guys, obviously you talked about it at length, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> We did. When did yeah. you come up with your plan of action and, and what did you do as far as, um, you know, getting her therapy or what was, so, what was the plan? Yeah. So, um, one of the questions that we asked that day was, you know, could Katie go to public school? Because up until this point, Katie couldn't handle being in a, a crowded room. I mean, we, 
we didn't go out to dinners with folks from church because we couldn't go to restaurants. It was too loud. We didn't go to parties or sporting events, that type of stuff. So uh, we didn't really envision her being able to walk down the hall of a lot of crowded school that was kind of loud. So <laughs> we asked if there was a school um, that we should check out. And they kind of said, you know, you should look at Summit Academy. Um, that was the only thing they said. And so um, both Beth and I looked at it. I looked at it, you know, from a financial standpoint and I saw the tuition and I just X'd off the website and said, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and Beth, of course, being the, the smarter, the brains of uh, our operation and our family said, you know, what, we've, we've got to go check this out. Let's go look and just uh, tour and see what they say. So we went over there and we walked in and it was kind of like a little bit of a weight fell off our shoulders. Like they kind of understood. They let us see some of the other kids and how they were learning. And we thought Katie would fit in. So we got in the car, drove to lunch and just started figuring out how we could change our lifestyle. Cause at that point, uh, paying, you know, private tuition was never in our financial plan. So, um, and then, we started there and she did two years of kindergarten. Katie is still there. I mean, at age 17, she's a sophomore um, in the high school over there. So uh, obviously it's been a good fit for us um, and we like it. Um, beyond the school side of things, oddly enough, I was shopping at Costco one day and I saw this book called, uh, I, think called I think it was called Mommy Warriors. Jenny McCarthy wrote it uh -huh. and I bought it and I just kind of devoured it in, in one weekend. It was all these stories about moms talking about their kids with autism. And this was really our kind of first exposure to it. Um, right. And listening to what they were talking about. And in there, they talked about Dan doctors, which at that point, I guess they called them defeat autism now doctors. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and so Beth and I talked about it and said, you know what, maybe we need to go see a special doctor and see what's going on. So we found someone in um, Evansville, Indiana, went and visited them. And one of the first things they did was some blood work and determined that Katie had um, some allergies to gluten and dairy. And so we changed her diet to gluten-free, dairy-free. And at that point, she completely cleared up. She uh, didn't act like she had a cold anymore and kind of got healthy to a certain extent, which was crazy in our mind because I was never one to even consider doing any kind of alternative type of diets or treatments or anything like that. And, you know, up until that point, Katie had uh, ear tubes, adenoids removed, tonsils removed. We were even at Cincinnati Children's Hospital a couple of times and they, um, for lack of better explanation, they, they drilled her sinuses bigger because they thought maybe that was an issue. Um, mm. Again, things we look back on and shake our heads and go, you know, what, that was our first child. Did we do the right things? What, yeah, I mean, you question everything as a parent. First. You're just really not sure. So, but that was the first step in getting Katie healthy. So we changed her diet. Um, eventually, we moved on from them and went to Dr. Demio, who is in uh, Columbus, Ohio. That's who England. we went to. Yeah, yep. that was so, our Dan doctor. Yeah, and so we started with him, and he started looking at everything, and he started working on the sleep side of things because I guess at this time we were six or seven. Katie hadn't slept through the night, um, which means Beth and I hadn't slept through the night. So uh -huh. <laughs> she would uh, lay in bed, cough, and she would puke mucus up, and then we would clean it up and put her back to bed, and she might sleep from two to, to four or five and get up. So he worked on that, um, and finally we got to where she would sleep four or five hours a night. Um, and eventually he did some more tests because he said something wasn't right, and he found Lyme disease. 
Oh, so really? Once, yeah. So once we started treating Lyme disease, our world kind of changed. Um, we, she was on antibiotics for about three years, but she went from being uh, grumpy, agitated, irritable to a, a lot more pleasant. She was able to relax. She started sleeping through the night. I mean, that was the greatest thing in the world. Even if we didn't have the right diagnosis, she was sleeping through the night and <laughs> we were just happy as can be. So, I mean, that was probably it age nine before we really, I mean, slept through the night consistently. Um, and uh, so he worked on tweaked a few things since then. Um, but in the last four, five years, Katie's health has been good. A couple of minor things. Um, she seems happy. Um, and that's really helped out for the rest of us. Sure. I was going to ask you, I mean, you said, you know, it had been six or seven years when she was six or seven years old and hadn't slept um, in all of this time, you have a, a, a son that's three at this point, right? Yes, um, right. So <laughs> through his toddler and baby years, he probably was up. So you guys were up anyway. So right. you, everyone was probably really walking around like zombies, I would imagine. We were, and that was kind of the thought is, you know, we're already up anyway. What's another uh, baby going to hurt at this point? And so we could kind of, you know, deal with it. But for a long time, we were walking zombies. I mean, it was, uh, it, it was, I don't want to say a miserable existence. It was, it was pretty rough though um, for us to, you know, even just because, I mean, I'm a desk jockey. So I sit um, in front of a computer and talk to folks and that's rough. You fall asleep pretty quickly if you're not getting sleep at night um so it, it was it was a tough stretch for us did you and beth have lengthy discussions about having another child were you nervous to do that i've had a lot of people talk to me that have other children um that are their oldest children children are the ones on the spectrum um and they really debated whether to to have any more kids or not yeah you know we always thought we were going to have three kids i mean i think mm -hmm. so um at, when we had Tyler, we just thought Katie was a little bit unhealthy. We didn't realize for the ride that we were, or the journey we were going to be on. Mm -hmm. After we had Tyler, um, we realized that the journey and probably the cost and um, the emotional um, stress that it was causing, and we decided not to have any more kids. And mm -hmm. that's one of the it's one of the tougher um, issues. And because we've always said, you know, we just it was the best decision at the time, but maybe Tyler would be better if he had um, another sibling that uh, was a little bit more like him that he could relate to. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we could question ourselves all day long, but we had decided in the moment um, that uh, the Tyler was probably going to be our last kid so that we could focus our energy on the two we had. Mm -hmm. How was their relationship? I know they're three years apart, but um, growing up, did he, take to her really easily or did she take to him or did you know did they typical sibling like little bickering and stuff or you know what has journey his journey been like you know it's funny because as a parent with a child with autism and kids you are always analyzing going okay is this autism or is this normal brother and sister stuff mm -hmm. um so we've spent a lot of effort on that but for the most part they took to each other um tyler's always been a very good brother um taking care of her looking out for her. i think he kind of understood um because he could do things she couldn't and that's still the case um but katie was uh, she's tough she i mean she wasn't a kid that liked to be held um strong-willed so she would really beat him up and go after him. And we had actually taught Tyler to 
run to his room and close his door till we could intervene um, just to make sure that he didn't get hurt. Um, I, she couldn't use words like the rest of us. So um, she would drag him or hit him or push him and she would get mad and just kind of lash out. So I think um, that was tough on him. But as we got older or they got older, um, I think Tyler did the, what I would call kind of normal thing. And I think there was a little bit of uh, he had some issues with autism and Katie just because there's some resentment there. Um, she got all the attention, of course, and we couldn't go as a family to a movie like his friends did. Um, and Katie had a hard time transitioning. So if he had a baseball practice and Beth was at, at work or if I was at home or vice versa, and if we didn't give her enough time that, to let her know we had to leave the house to get Tyler to baseball practice, uh, she would throw a fit. We couldn't get her in the car, and he would be late. And in Tyler's world, that you can't be late to baseball. That's just yeah. <laughs> unacceptable, right? Um, so I, and and when we couldn't go to ball games and so forth. So there's lots of things we couldn't do. And I think as a younger kid, he was a little bit focused um, on some of that stuff. So uh, you know, there are times you feel like. Um, you as a parent you're doing this pretty well and you might get parent of the year and then Tyler says you know well she gets all the attention and then you're like well we not that good of parents so who knows <laughs> well, I'm sure we always beat ourselves up more than we definitely should um no you know it's, it's interesting because um you know as we've talked in the past my kids are the same ages as yours but they're flip-flopped so obviously sure. Skylar is my older and Kendall is my younger and you know, one of the things I, I kind of talked about in my book that I wrote too is the, since Kendall's a freshman um, in high school and I have an older sister that's 17 months older than me, I think the parts that are hitting me now are, you know, her, when I had to go to her orientation in high school and I'm sitting around and she should have a brother that's a junior right now that right. tells her which teachers are the best teachers to get and kind of is her protector and, and you know, make sure that nobody hurts her or, you know, picks on her or anything and just kind of is her, her big brother in high school. And she's navigating everything on her own and has her entire life, you know, for the first time, because we've never experienced it like we should have with right. him first. Um, you know, I don't know if those type of conversations come up with you and Tyler and, and your wife and Tyler. Kendall mentioned some things like that occasionally. Um, but then she soughs it off. So I don't really know if how much it really bothers her or if she just doesn't want to hurt my feelings and tell me how much it really right. bothers her. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because a couple of years ago, and I think I mentioned this to you before that um, Tyler was on a sibling panel at an autism conference here in, in Louisville, which kind of surprised me. He was the youngest on there for about, by about 10 age or 10 years uh, compared to everyone else. And so um, they asked them questions, and I kind of was sitting out there going, I, I probably know all the answers. I don't think it'll surprise me. And one of the questions was similar to to, to that. What what do you miss or what don't you have? And, and Tyler's response was, you know, I'm supposed to have a big sister to look up to, someone that's supposed to show me things and teach me stuff. And he goes, I don't have that. And I sat there in the front row again, it's another one of those points where my eyes were watered uh -huh. and I sweated, sweated a little bit and thought holy cow I mean so I think there's a lot more going on in Tyler's mind that I, and especially because he's a teenage boy now that uh, than 
he doesn't let us know. But, I mean, I think there are some real emotions there that uh, he experiences and some things he's missed out on um, compared to some of his other friends that, you know, he sees or talks to or hears. And, um, so I think that's a real issue. Um, I do think, it, you know, at this point, I don't want to say that he's embarrassed of his sister because he's really uh, – I, I, I do think – but it is a normal kind of kid. Katie um, has a baby, and we've tried to 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 uh, tone this back. And I say a baby, a baby doll. Let me <laughs> let me make sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Good clarity. A, yeah, yeah. Please. So she has babies, and she loves the baby dolls that she carries around. And sometimes okay. she takes those out into public. Well, Tyler um, playing baseball with his buddies. I mean, none of the buddies notice that kind of stuff. And yeah. The the really weird thing. This is going to sound really weird for me to say, but Katie kind of has an invisible disability in a sense, because when you look at Katie, you yep. don't go, hey, she has autism. I mean, like sometimes we feel weird because she doesn't look autistic enough, which is odd to say, because um, most people don't recognize that she has any issues until you have a conversation with her. Right. Um, so it's a very odd when you're around people that don't know you. It, it's just really weird. So I think a lot of times folks don't understand that Katie has autism and that creates some very awkward uh, moments for Tyler and his buddies who probably don't know, you know, I'm sure the boys on the baseball team are not running around going, Hey, my sister has this and my sister. Has, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. emotionally, I don't think they probably share that stuff. Right. So, mm -hmm. so it's just yeah. it's very odd from that standpoint to uh, Katie has an invisible disability. Um, but it is what it is. And if you talk to her, you'll realize pretty quick. Um, she's verbal and she can talk, but she's a pretty good speech impediment. And she's 17. So she probably talks more like a seven, eight, nine-year-old maybe. Mm -hmm. That's the vocabulary that she has or? That's the vocabulary, but it might be a little bit about how her mind works or what uh -huh. age that she might be at. She might be a little bit older than that, but that's kind of where it seems um, she's at. At this point, um, can she, where is she as far as um, independence? Can she dress herself and take care of all of her, um, you know, needs as far as brushing her teeth and taking a shower? Or does she really need assistance just, um, you know, with the steps that you make sure you wash your hair and you do it like this and, you know, just assistance with those things or yep. is she for, somewhat yeah, independent? For Yes, she's uh, somewhat independent. For the most part, she can do those things. Um, That's good. She can't comb her hair. That She has trouble with that. And she does have braces now. So the final uh, cleaning at the end of the night, Beth helps out with that. So she can do some things and take care of herself a little bit. But um, I think the final touches on everything um, she needs help with. So braces. Now, how did that go? I don't know that I've known anyone <laughs> personally that has a child on the spectrum in braces because the dentist is like horrific enough for us. I yeah. can't imagine. Luckily, Skylar's teeth aren't aren't crooked and like crazy. But um, yeah, that that wouldn't work with us. <laughs> I don't think we'd yeah. have to sedate him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I have to give my wife a lot of credit because she is always what I would tell you is three or four steps down the road ahead of me where she's saying the kids need braces. We need to. And I'm like, Katie can't have braces. That's crazy. Why would we do that? I mean, does she really need them? And do we want to put her through that? And then Katie goes there and lays in the chair and smiles and <laughs> does what they, they tell her to do. And, you know, and, and Tyler's the one who's like 
gagging and going, this sucks. And this is horrible. And Katie just <laughs> smiles. So I, you know, so I gave a lot of credit to my wife for, for pushing through and not being scared to try to get outside of the box where I'm a little bit more timid in some of this stuff. I would have just said, you know, let's forget it. Let's put the money in uh, some place for Katie for the future and not worry about the teeth. But uh, Katie does really good with some things like that. Um, she's a little bit odd because Katie doesn't feel pain the way the rest of us do. It's, it's very weird. Absolutely. And, and so, I mean, she'll walk across the room and she'll hit her foot on the table and it would probably break my toe and Katie goes, ow. And I mean, so if she tells you she's in pain, that's kind of a red flag. You need to yeah. really pay attention because we just, we never knew before and, and still now we don't know. Uh, us too. I mean, Skylar hits himself. Like he'll do that too. He'll stub his toe or something and he starts cracking up. Like it <laughs> is the funniest thing. And we're like, Oh my God, are you okay? And we're looking constantly to see if something's dislocated or whatever. Right. He just thinks it's hilarious. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh, kid. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just weird. I mean, so kids are completely different. Our kids are completely different from each other. And then yeah. Katie's completely different from what people would say normal kids or regular kids. It's, it's just weird trying to figure it all out. And, and she's not, although she's verbal, she's not good at, at telling us stuff, explaining things, what might hurt or what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, since we were kind of talking about um, just Tyler and um, future and prognosis and all of those things. Um, you know, I want to touch on a little bit about, you know, what you do for a living and your title of, um, let me make sure I get this right, chartered special needs advisor, which um, I understand to mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's uh, financial planning, but um, specifically for families with special needs children. So, um, you know, for the, for the listeners, what is like the minimum people should consider when thinking about the future for our kids who may end up living with us forever, or even if they don't, what should people be thinking about? Sure. Um, so if, okay, if I could step back um, yes. one, um, one hop, if we could. So once Beth and I decided um, um, through, I guess, a little help from school and so forth that we needed uh, to start planning the future that Katie probably wasn't going to be uh, independent and living on our own, we went and saw an estate planning attorney and talked to them about setting up uh, some estate planning for Katie. So planning Katie's future. And even if I knew my wife wasn't going to listen to this podcast, I would tell you my wife is brilliant. Um, she's <laughs> very smart. Um, but as I sat there and I listened to the questions she asked, it kind of dawned on me how complex this stuff is. Mm-hmm. I kind of had a basic understanding at that point. Um, and so it made a little bit of sense, but when I listened to her questions, I thought, well, this is really complex and it's confusing. So we left that meeting that day and I thought, you know what, this is what I could do in my business. I could help families with special needs kind of plan the future. So I went out and I found a program for financial advisors and it's called Chartered Special Needs Consultant. Um, and I went through the program, and it's an extensive education program on financial planning for families with special needs. Um, and so I earned that designation. And then I slowly started to work with families with special needs, just doing seminars and um, answering questions and, and working with folks in my office. So that's kind of how I got there. Um, I understand um, the, the personal side because I have a child that's a special needs child. But then I also understand the business side because that's how I've trained and that's what I work and, and do. So 
to, to answer your question, normally what I tell folks, one of the main goals of special needs planning is to make sure that we maintain eligibility for government benefits. And when I'm talking about government benefits, I'm not just talking about a monthly paycheck, but I'm also talking about Medicaid, which is the health insurance part uh, of government benefits. In order to maintain eligibility, that means our kids can't have any more than $2,000 worth of assets in their name. Right. So what does that mean in real life? In, in real life, that means my wife can't leave her 403B retirement plan um, to Katie. That means I can't write a big fat life insurance policy on myself and make Katie the beneficiary. Mm -hmm. So um, what I tell folks is you need to use some legal tools that are available in order to help you plan for the future. And some of those legal tools, tools that people probably have heard of are special needs trust and able accounts. Yep. Um, Cause I think we'd all probably understand and would agree that government benefits isn't going to be enough, but it probably should be part of it. And then we would set up a special needs trust to, to move money into assets into, to help provide for our kids in the future. So, um, to pay for the extras in life, which the special needs trust would do. And that's, you know, technology, iPads, vacations, education, movies, fun, all those extras that we want our kids to have so that they can have a, a good life. Um, the trust can pay for. So mm -hmm. I think the first thing is to make sure you, you maintain eligibility. That means your kids can't receive any assets. You have to do your estate planning. Um, that means you're visiting an estate planning attorney, you're taking care of your wills, you're setting up special needs trust if that's what they advise. Um, and then after that, if you have a special needs trust, you need to make sure that the assets that you have, um, you need to change the beneficiary designations on that so that it says the trust. And um, we can't leave Katie's name on anything. We have to replace Katie's name with Katie's special needs trust. Right. And I, I went to a seminar, gosh, years ago, I think even Feet put it on, um, where they had an estate planning attorney there mm -hmm. and they were talking about special needs trusts. And that's when I learned, gosh, I mean, he was very little to go ahead and start that. Even if sure. you have $10 to put in it, just right. start it and get it there. Um, because I, I was told too, that besides, um, making eligibility for government benefits later in life, it's also important that you don't have your child, um, like a checking account or a savings account for your special needs child with money in it. So that if something were to happen, if they were able to drive or if they did something and caused an accident or something that they wouldn't be sued and taken everything that they own would be taken sure. from them, taken advantage of. So, um, I would assume that's also a risk of having any money in your child's name or any assets. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there, there are many risks, but that would be another one. Yes. Yeah. It's sad to even think that someone would take advantage, but they would. <laughs> that, <laughs> so. yeah, if they see money, they, uh, they'll uh, go after it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And um, I'm going to link up all your services. So if there's anyone sure. local that wants to talk to you in more detail, um, they can Absolutely. talk more specifics. Um, so I know you're heavily involved in FEET. Um, are there other organizations or groups that you've been a part of that you think are really important, um, that have done really important work that other families might look into in their communities? So I think, you know, most of my work has been through FEET um, mm -hmm. and also Summit Academy. So 
when Katie was at school, she's at school at Summit. I served on the board at Summit Academy. I was on that board for, I guess, about seven years um, and then got to a point where I wanted to do something different. Um, in that time, you know, Beth and I have been involved as, in, in FEET. Um, first, as family members, we saw um, feet in the community. So we ran the 5k years ago. Uh Um, so we were supporting that. And then eventually I started doing presentations and seminars for feet. Um, and then a couple years ago, feet had, uh, the news come out to our house and interview us and follow us around one night and, um, help to promote feet's 5k. So we've done that. Um, feet also had a, uh, promotional, uh, a video group come out a couple of years ago and they did a promotional video and we were one of three uh, families in that video. That's cool. It's kind of, yeah, it is. It was really cool. It's, you know, it's kind of funny. I'll call my wife and say, Hey, what are you doing on Tuesday night? And she goes, now what'd you get us into? <laughs> so I'm kind of the person that says, yeah, sure. You know, send somebody out. We'll talk. And so we've done that. Um, my business, it went through the business, uh, uh, autism friendly business initiative that they yeah. have going on right now, which I think love is that. great. Uh, I love it too. And I think that's great. So, um, and now I'm on the board and I've only been on the board for a year. So, um, I'm meeting new people and trying to find my footing there and, and figure out how I can help. Um, but you know, as you mentioned earlier, we serve on a committee there. Um, but, uh, so that's what I'm doing right now. That's kind of where I spend most of my time is feet. Um, and like I said, Summit Academy before that. And is Summit, um, what is the setup of Summit? Is it one-on-one? Is it, um, is there some ABA based in there or is it literally just um, a much slower paced traditional education type of a program or is it, does it vary, I guess, with what the kids need? Yeah, it's funny. When we started at Summit, I would tell you, I think Summit was probably for kids that had a learning disability okay. that were, was going to go on to college. Maybe they were uh, brilliant, but socially they had some trouble. Um, and I think over the years, uh, Summit's population has changed to uh, more kids like Katie who have more development issues. Um, so most of the classes are, you know, one teacher to about four students, which is great. Um, and in the high school, they have a track to go to college, um, but they also have a practical living track where, you know, Katie and them are learning uh, how to fold clothes and um, they're uh, learning how to cook. Um, so the normal everyday stuff and someone's getting ready to open up a coffee shop over there that the kids are going to work, oh, excuse neat. me, work in. It is. And so they're going to train them how to make coffee and serve coffee and work with people. So learning job skills um, while they're at school over there. So, you know, I think it so much changed quite a bit. It's a preschool all the way to high school right now. Um, and it's kind of, you, you come over there and you tell them about your kid and they kind of figure out how your kid fits into Summit and develop a plan for them. But um, not one-on-one, but maybe one-on-four kind of uh, atmosphere over there. I love that. I like that it's tailored to what your child is able to do and, and, and not do so they don't get defeated if they can't work in the coffee shop or if, you know, if that's just above them right now. Um, right. That's awesome. So they yeah. feel purposeful. Absolutely. It's always been good because they always reevaluate the kids. So you're not in a grade based on your age. You're in a grade based on your ability. So if you're um, really good at math, maybe you're in eighth grade, but if you're not so good at reading, they will move you back to if it's third or fourth grade. And so you are in a group of kids that read like you. So you don't fill out a place with your 
your other friends who maybe are reading better and you're a little bit slower. So they do a good job of getting the kids in the right class for where they are um, at that moment in time. Well, we, we talk about, uh, you know, behaviors because that's just goes hand in hand with autism and um, you know, the not sleeping and sometimes the physical aggression and all of those things. But our kids have the um, unique ability to make us laugh and smile a lot. And, um, you know, I don't know that we always touch on that. It's just easier to get frustrated when you haven't slept in like six years. But <laughs> so what are the things that Katie really likes and enjoys and, and makes all of you guys smile? And when she's happy, obviously her dolls. <laughs> sure. So, and, yeah, yeah. She she definitely loves baby dolls. That's for sure. One of the things I will tell you that we hear a lot and it's, it's good to hear um, is Katie is always smiling. She is, she may not talk and, and, and interact a whole lot with folks, but she is always smiling. We call her smiley. And um, it, it, that just, I mean, that just kind of warms my heart because everybody always asks about the future. What's the future look like? And, you know, and I just come back and say right now, Katie's happy and we're in a good spot. So I like that. So she's definitely a smiler. Um, she loves watching Tyler play baseball. Uh, she's really into UK women's basketball right now, which kind of surprises me watching her on the couch, kind of yell at the TV a little bit and cheer them on. It's just, it just <laughs> makes me laugh. She's doing special needs yoga, which if you don't know about special needs yoga, this is awesome. It's kind of a new class here in town. Um, and every Thursday at five thirty, we go and, uh, again, she doesn't interact with the kids and she's, she'll smile, but she's doing yoga and she loves it. And she's not athletic. We can't get her to go for a walk, but every Thursday she's like, all right, it's yoga night. So we go to yoga, um, which is really cool. Uh, she's always on her iPad. She's in cooking club over at summit. Um, the other thing that I think is really kind of makes me smile is technology is awesome and so she's texting family and friends all the time so i would be really careful if you give her your phone number because she might have five or six or seven conversations going on but she loves reaching out to family members she wants to know what's going on what'd you have for breakfast what'd you have for lunch <laughs> what are you doing this weekend i mean so those are the things that just i, I see some of the text and I feel like sometimes we feel like she's not social, but when I see she's interacting and she can tell me what's going on with my mom and, and my in-laws before we know anything, it's just, <laughs> that's the stuff that makes us smile and makes us kind of think Katie's interacting and, and she's finding her place in the world, even if it's not, you know, what, what we thought it was originally going to look like. It's a lot different than that, but uh, you know, I think those are the things that can make me, make me smile. Well, it's great that sh that your families have a way to connect to her. I mean, that that's incredible in itself that she texts and she, <laughs> you know, knows what she wants to say. I mean, it, it's gone so many years from, you know, it's evolved with technology and some of the systems that used to be assistive for um, people with special needs to be able to communicate, you know, punching out keys on a typewriter that talked for us. And I think using the phone in that way is awesome because a lot of times our family members don't, they don't, I mean, mine, mine say it sometimes like, I don't, I don't know what to do with them and they don't mean it mean, sure. but they're like, you know, if, even if I ask somebody who's coming to town, like, can you stay with them for like an hour so I can go and do whatever? And they're like, but what, what do I do with them? <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not like you're going to break him or hurt him. I mean, just treat him like a child. I don't know. Um, 
you know, so at least if they have a connection with her emotionally, they can get to know her. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because some of Katie's therapists have given Katie their phone number. And so Katie constantly texts them. And, you know, one of the therapists, her dad had passed away. And, you know, Katie's texting, hey, are you sad? And she's asking the appropriate stuff. And sometimes we feel like maybe she should not text. But, uh, yeah, she's showing empathy and uh-huh. um, and asking and and says, I know you're sad. And, and so I, when we talk to other folks, they don't seem to mind, you know, how sometimes your kids will do something and you're like, oh, they're just irritating everyone in the world. And you talk to everyone <laughs> in the world. And they're like, your kids are great. It's okay. We like it. And so that's kind of hard as a parent is, you know, making sure that uh, uh, you let Katie kind of be Katie. And if, if anything is wrong, other folks will let you know, I guess. Does she text you guys, you and Beth and, and Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> she does. Yeah, Tyler doesn't answer. So if he, Aww. you know, if, if you don't answer four or five times, I mean, he'll occasionally answer when he's not home. Um, I'll be here at the office, and I know if you know on a day that I don't pick her up, I start getting the text. Hi, how are you? What are you doing? What'd you have for breakfast? What'd you have for lunch? And I will say good. I answer all the questions, and she goes, "Okay, I miss you. I love you." And then, because it's Katie, she starts over. How are you? And starts the questions again. So, but Aww. yeah, she always texts us. Um, nonstop, which is actually a, a pretty cool. Um, sometimes I will admit it gets a little annoying if I'm trying to do stuff, but the fact that we can communicate and talk and I can see what's going on and she's sending me heart emojis telling me she misses me and loves me. I mean, you know, that just again, yeah. warms your heart. Well, those are the things that, you know, if, if there could be any blessing with um, having a child with special needs, that's one thing that um, I think is so unique is that they still love us like they're a three-year-old or a four-year-old mm-hmm. and being that they're teenagers, they're not irritated and don't want us to hug them or be anywhere near them. Like we're an embarrassment. It's, I think it's cute. And I hope she continues to text you heart emojis until she's 50 because it's, I mean, I love that. I wish Skylar could do that. That would make my day to yeah, see it, that. It's so true that I think that that's the, the you said it perfectly that, um, that part of her, she doesn't understand some of the bad stuff in the world. Everything is kind of happy and she's happy in that sense and just sends us those heart emojis. And Hey, that's, if that's where we're at, um, we'll accept that and take that and we'll figure out the rest as we move through life. Well, for sure. And since she is getting close to, um, I guess, would she age out of summit at 22? Can she stay there till 22? I would imagine as, as long as we're willing to pay that tuition, they'll, they'll keep her over there. As long <laughs> They're going to keep you. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, that's the, that's the great question that, uh, that's the thing that keeps us up at night. We don't know what's next. I mean, it, it's funny cause we're, we're talking in, in November, she turns age 18. And so, uh, her pediatric, um, speech therapist who we love and we've been with for years, well, she can't see her anymore. So, you know, that's kind of starting the beginning of, hey, this whole 18-year-old thing is going to happen, and what do we need to do, mm-hmm. um, and what's life going to look like, and where do we go from here? So that's what keeps me up at night. I'm, I'm not really sure um, what all the answers are, and um, I don't know what she's going to do after high school. I know we have two more years at Summit. She's a sophomore, so um, from that point, she'll stay there, and then I don't know where we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean that is that is the the question um, for all of us with children that are in their upper teenage years of of what the plan is, and there isn't really a concrete plan. 
and sadly, you know, it keeps me up at night too. And I keep thinking just as you plan for your children when they're little of like what preschool they're going to go to and what mm -hmm. school system they're going to go to. And you have to start years in advance to get on lists and do all yes. those things. It's the same thing with this. I mean, Skylar will be 17 in um, April and I'm already thinking, okay, I mean, it seems like it's really far away, but as you said, at 18 is when stuff starts to drop off a little bit and they have to shift them to a different kind of a, a program than he's in now. Cause there's a lot of, you know, young kids that are seven, eight, nine, and he's, yes. you know, he's no giant by any stretch because we're all short people in my right. family, but um, he's <laughs> an older, he's got a, a beard if we don't shave it. I mean, it's mm. just, in, it's just awkward to have yes. him in a system with little kids. Right. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, we're not even far from that. And how is he going to adapt to going to a different program with like men, you know, right. older men that have special needs and he is the little kid in that situation. It scares yeah. me to death. Yeah. But I, I can't have him home with me all day either. So I don't know. Yeah. That's, I think that's where Beth um, is probably a lot better than I am. Um, again, I, and I said earlier, she's three or four steps ahead of me and I'm always dragging my feet going, I, you know, I'm not ready. I, I can't do that. I, I, we can't take Katie there. I'm, I'm not ready for her to get a summer volunteer job, which she did last summer. And, you know, I, so I don't, I don't know what the future, I know that I'm always dragging my feet um, and we'll have to figure that out and put some more thought into it. But uh, that's what we have to look forward to, I guess. Uh -huh. Yeah, we're, hopefully we can pave the way for the parents that have younger kids just getting diagnosed and, um, you know, so we can give some answers to them. I mean, that's my hope is that, you know, there's not really much paved for us, but that we can return the favor and help out some of the other families. Um, Absolutely. And with that, I'm, have you thought much about, you know, the diagnosis and your younger self and mm -hmm. is there anything that you would do differently or tell yourself, um, anyone in your shoes that has a five-year-old or a four-year-old that's being diagnosed um, and all the things that go through our minds at that point, is there anything you would do differently or, or tell, tell them? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that I would tell them. Um, so I told you my wife's a physical therapist, and so uh -huh. she didn't necessarily go to medical school, but she has a medical mind. And so we were always so focused on traditional medicine and the doctors um, who just kept prescribing antibiotics, antibiotics, and treating Katie like everyone else. I wish we would have listened uh, to some folks who had tried to say, maybe you should look at some allergies. Maybe you should try to change her diet. Maybe there's something else going on. Um, we were a little hesitant uh, to move that way. And I know it doesn't work for everybody and some people it works for. It was one of those things that worked for us. So mm -hmm. I would be open to try some alternative um, stuff. Uh, I think that's okay. Um, I would also say be open to um, finding a group of people like you. Uh, we weren't really exposed to autism before this, but when we got to Summit Academy, not only was Katie with people like her, but Beth and I were finally with parents like us. And that was huge to, to be able to like talk to some other parents and say, you did what? And you're trying what? And how's this going at home? And um, so whether it's uh, feet, which is great, they have these coffee talks that you can go to and meet other parents uh -huh. or these meet and greet dinners, get involved with some other groups or some other families so that you can talk to other parents and just get a feel for what they've done or someone who understands what you're going through. Um, I, I think that's important to find some people 
um, you, you got to find a community, but you also got to find a community of folks like yourself that can um, pave the way and tell you some of the things that things you they have done um, to help you out. So, you know, I wish I would have been a little bit more open to some of those things before. Um, I always said Beth and I kind of we lived on an island and uh, we were at home and occasionally a few people visited, but they left and occasionally we left the island, but we ran back to the island when issues and things got tough and uh, maybe we should have ventured off a little bit more. Yeah, no, I could not agree more. And I think we all feel like we're on an island and it's so hard to find relatable conversations with people. Um, you know, I, I wished I had met you sooner uh, we have kids the same ages. We, yes. We're going through so many of the same things. Heck, we even went to the same Dan doctor. We probably passed each other. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> Driving to Ohio. <laughs> so, we could have carpooled. Um, I know, right? Um, you know, I, I just, I think that's great. And, you know, I had that conversation with my husband and um, I told him that so so many people I've met doing the podcast um, that don't even live in this state. And, I'm, and I say all the time, like, I just wish that we lived closer to them or we, you know, they could be our new best friends because they can relate. And he said, you know, that that's great, but sometimes I don't want to talk about autism. You know, yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm so overwhelmed and I'm just kind of tired of that conversation. And I want to talk about something else. And I totally get that perspective. I understand what he's saying because we eat, sleep and breathe it every mm. single day, but it would be nice to tell someone something crazy that Skylar did, or we didn't, we haven't slept in a week and they can relate and they can right. understand and we can hug each other or laugh until we cry or whatever. And it's just nice to be able to release that with someone that can truly understand and, and walks in our shoes. So. Yeah. And I completely relate to it what your husband's saying because I think family and friends a lot of times will say hey why don't you check out did you read that article on autism or do you see this or check out this link and sometimes you're just overwhelmed you're like you know I'm living this on a daily <laughs> basis I don't need that um and you just kind of want to get away from it um uh -huh. so I can I can absolutely relate to your husband in that sense sometimes you just say you know what honey it's tonight's night tonight I don't want to talk about anything let's just <laughs> you know, move on to something else so I can definitely relate because it's when you live it, you don't need to constantly talk about it. Um, but on those days when you're having trouble, it's sure good when you say, you know what, hey, we didn't sleep all night last night. Uh, we we can't give Katie a bath because she's screaming and hollering and we can't hold her down and we just feel like horrible parents. And for someone to put their arm around you go, hey, we understand. It, uh, it means a lot. It helps. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. I'm so glad I met you, Todd. Thank you. I and uh, I know we're going to be working together in the future on more of these um, feet projects for yes older, older teens on the spectrum, which I'm so excited about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That, that's, that's right up our alley. And so we need I to know, sure right? we, uh, I, do something. I, I can relate <laughs> to all of the things we talked about. So, yes. um, well, again, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and, um, I will link up your information for anyone that's interested and wants to reach out to you about more financial discussions that are probably over my head. <laughs> so, <Great>. Thank you. <laughs> we'll have a great rest of your day. Thanks again. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.